With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is ContactTalkRadio.com. Consciousness in action. And you are taking action into your consciousness by tuning into Contact Talk Radio. On TuneIn.com, Ying.fm, and Upsnap Mobile. Contact Talk Radio. From the Rose City in the beautiful Pacific Northwest, we are bringing you the latest updates in regenerative and stem cell medicine from around the world. It's pain-free and strong radio with Dr. Tina Moore. Dr. Tina here. I wanted to share with you a product that I've been using for about two months now that has been an absolute game changer for me. As many of you know, as part of my tribe, my gut is not always the most cooperative. Since implementing Megasporbiotic in my daily routine, it's been a completely different story. There was a breaking in period to be sure, but the results have been nothing short of amazing. I've had a significant decrease in bloating and discomfort in my guts. And if you didn't know, your gut health is intimately related to your pain levels. The developer of Megasporbiotic, my friend Karan Krishnan, and I sat down and created a free webinar all about it. Head over to my podcast page at www.drtina.com and you can find a link to the webinar where you see the big Megasporbiotic picture. You can also purchase the product via that link so long as you use the code DRTINA, all one word, all uppercase letters, D-R-T-Y-N-A. It's a completely unique and different product, so be sure to check out the webinar now. Welcome to Pain-Free and Strong Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Tina Moore, and I am really excited for today's episode. We're going to be a little bit controversial today, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull the lid off of some, uh, some, some sensitive topics. Uh, stem cells. Stem cells are all the rage. Stem cell, you know, regenerative medicine is huge right now. I've been in this field for over 20 years, so I've watched it grow and morph into what it is, and truly it's become the wild, wild west. My guest today is Dr. Sabrina Solt. She is a naturopathic physician practicing in Arizona, and she is a stem cell expert. She has treated hundreds, if not thousands of cases. I'll let her do a more proper introduction in a moment. But what we are going to talk to you about today, I want you to hang in here and stay with us for the episode, because basically, if you are a patient and you have received a supposed, you know, quote unquote, stem cell therapy, and that doctor did not actually harvest your fat tissue or your bone marrow, you weren't receiving stem cells. If your product came off the shelf, an off the shelf file is what we call it, and they pulled it up into a syringe and shot it into your joint, 
or your veins and told you it was stem cells, you were lied to. They didn't necessarily know all the time either. And we're going to cover that. If you're a doctor and you're promoting stem cells on your website, but you're not actually harvesting any tissue and you're simply pulling product out of a vial off the shelf, you're not really giving patients stem cells either and you're lying. So this is going to be a bit controversial, but we are going to blow this up and cover all of it so that there's clarity and understanding and you guys leave empowered and really knowing what you're getting into. So without further ado, welcome Dr. Soul. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I mean, that intro was amazing. I feel like we could just leave it at that and tell everybody to stop. But I totally see the point in doing this because even though what you said is totally true, we need to we need to back it up. We need to actually come out and finally explain so people understand. So I'm happy to be here doing this with you. Yes, me too. We've been trying to plan this for a while and I I unfortunately flaked on you a few weeks back, so I apologize, and I'm so glad you made the time today because I know you have a busy schedule. So you are in, tell the audience about you. You're in Arizona. Where's your clinic? What do you do? I am in Arizona. Uh, my clinic is Revive Wellness. We are up in Glendale, Arizona. If you're familiar with the area, that's off of 67th Avenue and the 101. Um, I've been doing regenerative medicine since about 2013, and I started with prolotherapy. Uh, eventually I, you know, got into the more advanced stuff and, uh, it, it started when I actually used to work at this integrative rehab facility. So really beautiful facility combined, um, you know, myself as a naturopathic doctor, also a couple chiropractors, a physical therapist, massage therapist. It was the whole nine. We did Pilates based rehab, regular rehab, everything. Um, during that time there, I did a lot of, um, regenerative injections, a ton of trigger point injections, hundreds, if not thousands every month. Um, and then, of course, a lot of joint rehab stuff. So some prolo, some PRP, and then I got introduced to the amniotic. Um, it was really cool. I saw so many amazing results, tons and tons of knees, actually. Knees really did respond well uh, well to almost every, t every single time. And uh, I was actually under the impression that it was stem cells when I first started. So I will completely just out the gates here say I was guilty of this, too. It wasn't until I really started researching this stuff that I realized what it actually was and what it was not. Um, and it's because I started using it so much. And I was like, I need to know more about this. I need to know absolutely everything. And at that time, there really wasn't any mentors in the space. It was still kind of new. I didn't have anybody else to turn to, didn't have anybody else to run cases by. It was you know, a lot of me, myself, and I at that point. And I just said, I'm going to figure this out for me. Uh, so fast forward to now, my practice is pretty much 80 to 90% regenerative medicine. Um, I still use biologics in certain cases. I do a ton of PRP. And then of course, I also do real stem cell procedures like you were talking about. So I'll do fat harvesting, I'll do bone marrow. And then, you know, recently I actually started using exosomes as well. And I think we're going to talk about those. Yes, uh, we're going to talk about it all, hopefully. Yeah. So that's a little bit about me. Awesome. Okay. So I don't know why we weren't friends sooner because I was having the whole me, myself, and I over here in Portland. Oh, it's because you were so far. <laughs> <laughs> we're still kind of on the West Coast. Um, yeah. uh, so let's talk about this. So we're going to, just for the sake of the audience, when we refer to biologics, what we're talking about are off the shelf products. Um, they could be also, you've written a great ebook that you're giving away for free to the audience about birth, a birth tissue product. So let's talk about what this means. Why, what are these and why are they not stem cells? 
So the birth tissue industry has, um, they really kind of capitalized on a lot of the research that came out in the early 2000s, talking about the presence of stem cells and things like amniotic fluid uh, in the placenta and in, and in the amniotic membrane of that placenta. Now, because there's so many births happening in the United States every single year, there is a lot of capitalism involved in this, in this field um, where they started taking these products and manufacturing them into products that would be safe for human use. Um, because this thing kind of happened really rapidly and the FDA couldn't really regulate it the way that they would like to, they created a set of regulations called the 361 regulations. And these allowed manufacturers to basically complete a very fast 45 minute application that would allow them to process a non-drug human cell and tissue product. What this means is that based on these regulations, nothing can be alive in this product in order for it to, to fall under these simple regulations. Any product that has the live cells in them those have to be filed under 351, which is the drug product. This is where it call, uh, takes millions and millions of dollars and years and years of research in order to get something approved. So that's yes. kind of how we got here. So these are, let me back up. In 2016, I had the honor of meeting a premier stem cell researcher, Dave, Dr. David Harrell. And he basically told me if it comes out of a vial, it can't have live cells in it because the FDA won't allow it plain and simple. That's, I mean, that's the simple terminology for it. So if, exactly. if patients are going in and they are receiving a quote unquote stem cell procedure, so they think from their physician and they are not having their tissues harvested out of their own bodies. And this isn't just the blood draw, you guys, that's PRP. That's a separate issue. I have tons of episodes on that. If you are not having your fat harvested in a lipo aspiration, or you're not having your bone marrow harvested out of your ileum or your tibia, you're not getting stem cells. You're getting a biologic product. It might be a really phenomenal product. You might have phenomenal outcomes. You might get really, really great results. You might feel a lot better, but they're not stem cells because exactly. they can't be because the FDA would not allow that legally. You can't have live cells in a vial. So I, there's a big, um, I know we'll talk on this, but there's a big, and you talked about it in your ebook. There's a big industry right now that I'm seeing crop up um, intranasal where they're snorting them. And <laughs> these doctors are saying stem cells intranasally. And it's like, they're not stem cells, dude. They're not alive. <laughs> there's no, no live they, cells in there. They are growth factors and they are cytokines. And this is actually where you'll see a lot of people um, doing a big compare and contrast to PRP. And if your audience already knows what PRP is, um, and I'm sure a lot of doctors listening to this, you know, of course, too, that's a product that we get from your own blood. And that also contains things like cytokines and growth factors, in addition to cellular components like monocytes and macrophages and things like that, too. So that's where you see a lot of overlap. Um, the biggest difference between those is actually the inflammatory nature of them, whereas the birth tissue biologics, things like amniotic allograft, very anti-inflammatory in nature, whereas PRP we know is very pro-inflammatory in nature because it's initiating that healing cycle. Awesome. That's a good comparison. So let's talk about some of these products because they're hot topics. Let's start with cord blood. All right. So cord blood for me is the absolute biggest red flag and something that the FDA is very, very clear on not using. Um, there are some companies that have been manufacturing this and I don't want to say names because I don't want to get anybody false advertising or fake advertising or free advertising. Um, but do, I'd say just don't use the cord blood products and this one has to do with the fact that there has been a history of contamination in these products. 
And the second thing is that they are illegal to use for anything other than blood disorders per the FDA. So meaning you shouldn't be using these for anything other than say like a leukemia. Even then, um, because this is something that I was so curious about that I tried to investigate as much as I could. Um, I actually had a patient who had told me that she had banked her children's cord blood, thinking that she was going to get a bonding moment with me because of the whole stem cell thing. Um, And I was like, well, that's very interesting. I don't, I don't like going that route. I don't think that's a good route to go for a number of reasons. Um, but I asked her, I was like, you know what, could you do me a favor and see if you can call them and see what the actual process would be to get those cells for use? So she comes back a couple weeks later and you would not believe the hoops that she would have to jump through in order to actually get her children's own stem cells for any use that she wanted to go through. Things like having to get a doctor on board to sign all of these forms, to actually submit for a study for that child to have them. You wouldn't believe it. It was insane. It was going to cost them thousands of dollars to do this. And this is their own cells, their own parts of their own body. So I think that one, the core blood industry is kind of a racket. And two, if it's difficult enough for somebody to get one that already belongs to them, to go undergo these studies, how is it that these companies are now selling somebody else's cells or cord blood to you? The whole thing to me is just very, very icky and I don't, I don't like it. Um, and then of course the DNA aspect of it, the fact that it's somebody else's blood and there's no matching done. Oh yeah. That was what I was just about to rudely interrupt you and say. <laughs> <laughs> no rude interruptions here. Let's get it all out. <laughs> we don't want the DNA of someone else in us. And it's, exactly. that's just shady, straight up. I get contacted by docs online. I'm just going to say it, you guys. I'm a chiropractor. I love being a chiropractor. I really respect and honor the chiropractic profession, but there are a lot of chiropractic clinics popping up doing stem cell, quote unquote, stem cell procedures. They're not stem cell procedures in most cases. And it's, it's turning into like a Starbucks stem cell, you know, it's like, Hey, come on in. We're the premier stem cell clinic in Seattle. And, and what they're using is an off the shelf biologic. It's a, it's a birth tissue biologic, which does not have stem cells as we are saying, um, in this episode. So that, that part's rough, but I get contacted by Kairos a lot and they're like, Hey, I want to come train with you. I want to send my nurse practitioner or my naturopathic doctor to you to get training in prolotherapy. And I'm like, no way, dude. First, I ask them what they're using, and they say cord blood, or they say something that's not as shady as cord blood, but I hear cord blood often, and I'm just like, that is so illegal, what you're doing. Like, do you understand? But they don't know, and the reps are lying to them, and that's a whole other thing that we don't really have to get into, but your book covers that very well. Reps, and not all reps are shady, but they are there to sell the product, and not every doctor knows what they're being sold and not every doctor does their research to find out what it is they're putting in their patients. So it's true. And I'll admit when I started in the space and I was doing relatively low volume, I didn't even do the research until I started getting more into it because I just didn't see the point. I was like, Oh, they're telling me it has this, I'm going to believe them. And it was, I mean, I, again, I'm admitting that I did this. I am so against it now. That's why we're doing this. That's why we're trying to educate. That's why I wrote that book. And I did write it for providers as simply a way to kind of clear the air and just, you know, try to get rid of some of this misinformation. But it is even, I think it's still an okay read for anybody who's not a provider who just wants to kind of lift the veil on what's going on or, you know, see the man behind the smoke and mirrors. Totally. And you, you back it up with all the research. The thing that we, the thing that we're trying to accomplish with this episode, all you guys is, and ladies and everyone is that 
we don't want our friends getting in trouble. We don't want any of our colleagues getting in trouble. So if we can clear the air here and give you guys the information that you need, then maybe you can change the wording on your websites and you can change the information you're giving to your patients so that you're not saying the word stem cells. Stop saying stem cells if it's not stem cells, basically. Start calling it what it is and having a, a deeper education on what it is that you're providing because what they're providing, again, is very therapeutic. I've used these products in patients and they are amazing. They do oh, yeah. amazing things, but they're not stem cells and we don't want the patient thinking they're getting it. You made a great comment in your book about, um, and you're so right. You could tell the patient 10 times, you're not getting stem cells. You're getting, you're, you, you try to explain it to them in a way without getting too sciencey. And you might, you might use the word stem cell in there as a part of the explanation process. Like when talking about exosomes, for instance, I'll, I'll share later how I describe that to patients, but they still will walk out the door and be like, thanks for the stem cells, doc. Exactly. Oh my gosh. I can't tell you how many times that happened. (laughs) And I actually do have a paper that they sign that says, I understand I'm not getting stem cells. And it, that they just see the word stem cells. And at that point I'm like, you know what, I will just document the crap out of this. They signed this. It's fine. It's, but they're going to believe what they're going to want to believe. And you know what? You cannot discount the mindset of a patient. I mean, we have the placebo effect that's good, that proves that, that the mindset, if they think they're getting this and they think they're going to heal, there's, there's something to be said for that. I'm not, you know, enforcing that or saying that that's the way to do it, but if they get better, they get better. For sure. And they're not going to want to, they don't always understand all these big terms that we're throwing at them to try to explain to them why it's not stem cells. So Totally. Making it as simple as possible in your explanation to the patient in your park queue and uh, making sure that they have a good understanding, but also not overwhelming them. And that is the hot topic right now. That's the buzzword, right? That's the sexy term is stem cells. So that's what people, I think some people just want to assume they're getting stem cells too, because then they can go home and tell their friends and family, I got stem cells. And you know what? <laughs> it's so true too, because when I have patients come in for consults, I always let them know what they're candidates for. Like, are they a candidate for a bone marrow procedure? Are they a candidate for amniotic? Are they a candidate for PRP? And oftentimes, if they find out they're a candidate for a real stem cell procedure, they want to do it. I can yeah. tell them all day long, like, okay, well, you'll still, you'll still likely do very well with something less expensive like PRP. And they're like, no, I want stem cells. I had this happen just yesterday, actually. I had a gentleman, he came in and he got both of his knees done with bone marrow probably 12 weeks ago at this point. And uh, now he wants to do both of his shoulders, which are mild compared to what his knees were. And I told him, I was like, PRP is going to be fine, but he wants the bone marrow. He's sold on stem cells. That's totally fine. I mean, he's, he wants to do it and he's a candidate for it. I'm happy to do it. Yeah, no, they, they, I've, I've encountered that many times too. I try to talk them down. I'm like, you actually just need some prolotherapy. <laughs> right. fine. And they're like, well, that's not sexy. I want stem cells. Okay. Right. Yeah. Spend all your money. <laughs> so let's talk about another product that I hear thrown around even by docs that I really honor and respect. And they're calling it stem cells. Um, Wharton's jelly. What is that? And why is it not stem cells? Okay, so Wharton's jelly is basically the goop in the umbilical cord. Um, This started getting a lot of traction. And I believe this is just kind of the next trend. um, Because there was studies that came out that actually show that there is a pretty decent stem cell population within the Wharton's jelly. Um, and just because something comes out in the study does not mean it is directly applicable to what you are receiving in your vial. And I do go into this in the ebook into quite a bit of detail, and I do so uh, some examples of this as well. Uh, so the Wharton's jelly, a lot of these companies, again, they're using this as a processing. The one thing about Wharton's jelly, and I didn't put this in the ebook, but I wanted to mention, is that 
under the FDA guidelines of um, homologous use, so one of the things that these manufacturers have to adhere to is that they have to say that what they're manufacturing is to be used for something homologous, meaning that something like Wharton's jelly, which we know is basically a cushioning in the umbilical cord, could possibly use for, be something for cushioning, like maybe an injection into a knee if we're doing a stretch. But the thing that we're seeing a lot with the cord uh, is that people, or the cord tissue, that people are actually using this intravenously, um, which I, I totally don't recommend. I think that this is another trendy thing. In all reality, once it gets processed, it really is just the same cytokines and growth factors that we're seeing in the other products. Yes, and so let's back up a minute. What's in the study is not necessarily what's in the vial. Exactly. Yes. The, the reps will push the studies upon you. And I seen it, I saw this happen at a conference I just spoke at. Um, Dr. Brendan Cochran got up on stage and basically gave this full disclosure about all this from the stage. And a lot of the docs went out to the reps booth and the reps started pumping out papers at him showing. And I looked at one of them and it's like, you know what? This is actually a study done on fresh jelly that mm -hmm. just came just came out of the human being and this is not the same thing that's in a vial can you talk about that a little bit what what's the process of getting it i know there's obviously all these are very different but there is a you know there's some similarities in what happens once it gets in a vial absolutely so when you're talking about doing these fresh harvests they're getting that fresh placenta um what's interesting is that a lot of these so for if, if we're taking cord blood out of the equation we're talking about things like cord tissue amniotic allograft, um, exosomes, much of these do not contain any maternal or fetal DNA. They're immunoprivileged sites. Um, so they can kind of do a fresh harvest and then pretty much do um, a culture expansion and then administration, um, preserving the actual live stem cells. This is only done in other countries and for very specific clinical studies in the US, if any. I, I linked to some of the clinical studies in that book as well. And I think I saw only one or two happening in the United States. Anyway, so once this is processed, um, according to the FDA, and to make it safe for human use, it has to undergo uh, cryopreservation and some degree of sterilization. Any of this is going to kill living cells. The reasons that the cytokines and growth factors survive is because they're proteins. Proteins can survive things like E-beam irradiation and cryopreservation. Um, but again, once they once it reaches the person, they're they're not going to have any live stem cells, despite what those white papers may show you. And cryopreservation, because the audience, this audience, and you probably know this, this audience is half the public and half usually practitioners. Um, cryopreservation is just freezing it essentially, so that it yep. can get to you, at, you know, the the consumer. So once they once these studies are often looking at fresh out of the shoot cells and products and that's what they're like well look there's there's live cells here it's like yeah in a fresh sample but not once it's gone through a laboratory and it's been sterilized and it's been preserved and it's been frozen or whatever process it's gone through um there's nothing left those cells have lysed they're dead exactly and you know the lysing of the cells is not a bad thing and i do want to make sure that people know that because once the cells lyse they release their insides which are even more cytokines and growth factors yeah yeah so it's it's adding to the juice but again it's not a cell based product and that's something that we need i think we should touch on too is that stem cells behave a certain way um, cytokines and growth factors behave very differently and i think that's where we need to um, kind of clear the air here is that 
only stem cells are going to behave like stem cells. And even then, stem cells don't even behave like stem cells. So what do we mean by this? Uh, mesenchymal stem cells, they behave differently uh, in vitro versus in vivo. So they behave differently whether they're in a uh, petri dish or whether they're put into the human body. And this is uh, something that's been freely written by Dr. Arnold Kaplan, who is like the godfather of stem cells. So when stem cells get put into the body, mesenchymal stem cells, he actually renamed them to medicinal signaling cells because they don't behave like the way a stem cell does in a Petri dish. Instead, they in fact signal to the environment. And this is going off to another tangent on why you and I both agree that the environment is so, so, so important um, to getting a proper good outcome in your patient. So how healthy is the patient? How vital are they? How damaged is that initial joint? What's their inflammation status like? So Correct. We'll talk yeah. about that too at the end because that's everything. In my so opinion. much nuance to all of this. <laughs> <laughs> so there's different types of stem cells. There's hematic, hematopoietic stem cells, which are? So those are your blood forming stem cells. So hematopoietic stem cells are the ones that are present in the cord blood. And those can pretty much only differentiate into blood cell lines. Now, what's really interesting is I actually read a study, and this is actually probably about 10 years ago now that the study came out, is that these hematopoietic stem cells, when used in clinical study situations, so things that are happening outside the United States, they actually do have a signaling mechanism that is very similar to a mesenchymal stem cell um, in the sense that they can have some regenerative properties within the body to the similar degree of mesenchymal stem cell. However, that's not what we're using in the United States. I just want to make this very clear too, that everything that we're talking about here has everything to do with what is currently going on in the United States of America as of July, 2019. This can change dramatically and this field is changing so dramatically. Even, you know, I started writing this guide last year. I had to go back and edit some stuff because some stuff had changed, new research had come out and things get updated all the time. So I just want to make it clear that this is what's happening in the United States today. This is not reflective of other countries. There is really amazing, advanced, and correct stuff happening over there as well. Yes, yes. And then mesenchymal stem cells. Now coming out of your blood, I'm sorry, your bone marrow versus your fat, they're going to potentially do different things. Is that correct? Yeah. Um. I mean, is I there, a, there a, is, I know that there's a time, there tends to be a time and a place for using one over the other. Yes. So when that has to do more so with, with the processing. So the stem cells that we're getting from bone marrow are going to be really, really excellent for things like your uh, joint soft tissues, the musculoskeletal applications, because the mesenchymal stem cells that come from a bone marrow lineage can actually be a little bit more inflammatory than, your, than the ones that we're harvesting from the fat tissue. When we're harvesting from fat tissue, we can actually change, turn that into something called stromal vascular fraction. And this is actually appropriate for intravenous use. And this is something that the FDA is trying to say is a, a now an illegal drug product. There are some people out there that are trying to fight this um, and you know, getting petitions signed and whatnot, trying to say that something coming from your own body is not a drug. I'm really, I'm on that side. I don't think that something coming from your own body should be a drug. I believe in the healing power of body. That's why I'm a naturopathic doctor. Uh, so I'm really hoping that, that the FDA kind of cuts us some slack on that end because I have seen some really incredible results with that. Um, and in addition to that, the fat tissue can also be used in a, a second way, and that's just by doing a fat graft. So there was this was another thing that came out recently within the last couple of years is that um, a certain way of processing a fat graft can actually release some of the stem cells in 
a way that follows minimal manipulation guidelines, and it then can become a sort of stem cell-based product. And this is going to be appropriate for things like a knee or other joints. Really neat stuff with that. Awesome. Okay. So that, that helps clear it up for the audience. So unless it's coming out of your bone marrow or your... Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. Fat guys, you're not getting stem cells. And even sometimes with fat grafts, you're not getting stem cells because they're, they're, they're captured inside the cell, the fat cell. So sometimes you're just getting a fat harvest. You're getting a fat graft, basically. Um, and that's a, that's a procedure I used to do. I stopped doing it. There, I have my reasons. Um, but, you know, you could, that's also a scaffolding for the PRP that we will often use in conjunction. And so there's different ways of doing this. This is why it's totally the Wild West. And you need to find a doctor who has a ton of experience in this and who knows what they're talking about, like Dr. Solt. Um, or Dr. Harry Adelson in Utah, you know, these docs have been doing this a long time and they know what they're doing versus these pop-up shops that are like, I'm going to start a regenerative medicine practice and I'm going to hire a nurse practitioner and pay him $45 an hour and start cranking out these procedures with these off-the-shelf vials and calling them stem cells. And I think a, a, big, uh, a big red flag is when you see, and not always, but I keep seeing these, uh, it, it drives me crazy to be honest. At hotels or other places, they'll have a monthly event where you can come and they'll give you a big lecture about their stem cell procedure or their stem cell offering, and they'll tell you how much it costs. And these are off the vial or off the shelf vial products, and these people are getting just snowed. I get patients all the time who are like, "I just went to this presentation by this clinic, and what do you think of this?" And it's just like, "Oh my god, this is—it's not ethical, in my opinion." That doesn't mean that an informative evening is not ethical. It just means that the way that this is going down is very much a marketing machine. So do you want to speak to that at all? I 100% agree with that. And I do think that there are, um, there are ways to get this information across in a proper way. And I think that the, the presentations that are happening that are actually delivering adequate information are super valuable for the consumer to go to. They do need to be wary of ones that are promising the world with just an injection from a vial. If they're telling you that they're going to change your life in a 15-minute consult and are asking you to pay thousands and thousands of dollars up front without even doing a blood test, without even doing a physical exam, without even listening to your history, I mean, that's snake oil if I've ever heard it. It's, it is absolutely insane. You, you need proper evaluation. You need supportive therapies. This is way more than just shooting juice in a joint, as we've said before. Um, there is a whole human being to consider anytime you're doing regenerative medicine. For sure. For sure. And we'll come back to the cell signaling and, and the health of the patient here 
in a minute. I do want to talk about amniotic products because there's so many of them. And you, yesterday, you and I had a quick conversation. Uh, a colleague commented on my Instagram post and said that they're, how did he word it? It was, it was very well worded and uh, very appropriate, but basically that there were some cellular remnants in the amniotic product in the end. And which we've spoken to, yes, sometimes these, there are cellular products left. That doesn't mean there's life stem cells. Right. Uh, but, but what are these different amniotic products and, and how does the, how does the audience differentiate? All right. So amniotic allograft was kind of the, one of the first things um, on the market in the birth tissue biologic space. So because it was the first one, it has experienced many years of growth and many years of changes. And from what I know um, in my research, there's a few different ways of processing or acquiring an amniotic product. Um, the first one being just a straight amniocentesis of the amniotic fluid. So sticking a large needle into the vagina right before a scheduled C-section piercing that amniotic sac and aspirating that amniotic fluid. Um, Wait, yeah. Can we just back up? Like who agrees <laughs> to have that done? So there's mothers all over the United States at certain hospitals that get screened for this sort of thing. In order for a product to be harvested from a mother, she has to go through very intense screening and selection and testing. Um, so we, we know that at least these placentas are coming from fully informed people and that they have gone through rigorous different levels of um, tests and whatnot. So there's that part to be set for it, which is good. Um, one thing that I feel kind of icky about sometimes is that the, the moms donate it. I would, yeah. Why would you let someone stick a needle up your vagina and pierce your amniotic sac as a donation? That's what I'm trying to understand. So they're, they're told that they're going to be helping people who are in pain all over the United States and their, their bodies, you know, it's going to be used for regenerative medicine, which is true, but I would love to see these moms get paid something because again, this is a donated product that these manufacturers are making thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars off of. I'm not against capitalism at all. That's the reason the United States is the way that it is. Um, but I do think that, I mean, this mom should at least be honored with something other than a good job for donating this stuff. But that's just my two cents. My little Oh, spot. it's gross, Sabrina. It's so gross. Like this is like, this is like the 1920s when they used to do experiments on people without their consent. Yeah. So that's the first way. So they basically take this amniotic fluid. They do some uh, some really good filtration of it because if you guys know anything about um, how a fetus develops, at one point when the fetus is developing, it is covered in a very, very fine hair called lanugo. Before birth, the baby sheds this hair and it does get left in that amniotic fluid. Um, so they have to make sure that that is filtered out before it then gets processed and used. And oftentimes this amniotic fluid, it's it's tested multiple times for anything that would be transmissible to the recipient. Uh, and then it, of course it gets packaged up and sent and it's just pure amniotic fluid. In my book, I do actually include a link to a study that actually analyzes the composition of amniotic fluid. So you can see for yourself what may or may not be in there by the time it reaches you. Another, another way that they do the processing to create amniotic is actually using the amniotic um, membrane of the placenta. So this is the part of the placenta that is in contact with the amniotic fluid. So two things they can do with this. First one is that they can create something called a conditioned medium. So they take the, they enzymatically separate the amniotic layer of the placenta from the placenta and they place it into a growth medium for anywhere from four to six weeks. They basically allow it to flourish and start creating all of the good stuff. So all the cytokines, all the growth factors. 
after this secretion period happens, they discard the placenta and they collect the conditioned medium. So it's the juice without the fibers, as I like to call it. And it's then this conditioned medium that you're now using um, in your patient. So obviously no live stem cells here because they tossed it all away. It's just the secretion. Thirdly, they do something called, it's like a dehydration, desiccation, rehydration. So they take the amniotic membrane, they actually basically freeze dry it, chop it up, and then reconstitute it with some normal saline, and then that's the product that you get. Again, once something's chopped up and frozen and stuff, you can be damn sure that there's no stem cells left. So yes, that's how the processing happens for the amniotic fluid. So it's definitely one of those things where there's no stem cells present, really, no matter how you slice it. Right, right. Um, and then there's, I mean, there's varieties here of, I don't know. I just remember when this stuff came on the market and the rep came in and handed me a USB stick and I stuck it on my computer and started reading about it. And I was like, holy smokes, this is amazing. But he was really ethical. And he was like, yeah, there's no stem cells in here. And yes. so years later, I'll be honest with you, kind of freaks me out using somebody else's cells. So I wasn't a big fan of it. I used it a little bit. I thought it was okay, but I'm such a stickler for who I choose to inject that my patients who I choose to treat are all very healthy anyway, and their PRP was amazing. And I, I got to give myself some props and I'm not discounting anyone else, but my skills with injections are solid. Like I'm really good at finding the pain generator. So I was getting phenomenal results with just great PRP um, out of really good healthy patients. And a few times I, I tried the amniotic products and I was like, this is okay, but it wasn't enough to justify the cost for me. Yep. Um, and then as time moved forward over the years, then I jumped to doing adipose uh, fat grafts basically with, you know, with the hopes that there was some stem cell activity there. And those, those, I got great results with that. Again, patient selection was key for me on that. I found, and the people who were the healthiest obviously got the best results. The people who were not often had an inflammatory response that was, you know, a bit more spectacular than I wanted to deal with. And from there, I just never really got to the amniotic stuff. And then I had colleagues starting to tell me like, yeah, I'm doing amniotic and umbilical stem cells. And I'm like, what, where, where are you getting these? Cause I completely lost track of it. I wasn't paying any attention to it. Cause I wasn't going to bring it into my practice. And they're like, Oh yeah, I get it in this lab. And I'm like, there can't be stem cells in there. Like there's no way, like just logically that can't be legal with, with how much, you know, hubaloo there had been around fat stem cells at that time. And, and then I met uh, Dr. David Harrell and he was like, yeah, absolutely not. There's no, there's absolutely no live cell, cells in there. So I was trying to tell my colleagues, like, stop using the word stem cell. You're going to get in trouble. These are not stem cells. These are growth factors and cytokines and everything else. And nobody wanted to listen to me. They were like, nope, they're stem cells. We're using them intranasally. We're using them intravenously. And I'm like, you guys are all going to get in trouble. <laughs> Please listen. And nobody wanted to listen. So I think that, you know, whether you break it down really well in your book about where they're harvesting from the, you know, the different amniotic products. But there, again, there's no stem cells in here. You're right. And I want to kind of circle back to the point that you're making about your patients getting as good results with PRP based on your excellent selection of them. I'm going to have to agree with that. I've seen the same thing is that there really hasn't been a difference in outcomes in my healthy and vital patients when just using something like their own PRP compared to an amniotic. Now for the everyday doctor who is kind of doing this as an adjunct thing where, you know, they have a patient that comes in and they are seeing them for gut stuff, but they also have a damaged shoulder and they want to be able to offer them the whole picture. 
great. Maybe just getting that one product in and then treating that patient is something they do so they don't have to keep a, you know, a centrifuge in their office or have anything extreme like that. Um, but for me, when this is my thing, so I, I do just this. So I see the extreme cases. I see the cases that have been to every other doctor in town and nothing has happened. I've seen the patients who are trying to avoid their third, fourth, or fifth surgery. Um, so that's why I'm, I'm using a lot of these big guns a lot of the time because I'm getting those intense cases. And a lot of the time, I don't have the luxury of being able to select these patients because they are just so far gone that this is their last hope. Yes. Um, and at that point, that's when I am using, again, the bigger guns because they are going to be more effective than something like just, just Prolo, you know, the healthy patient, the athlete, those are all the people that are going to shine with Prolo. My patients, a lot of them, I'd say most, the majority of my population is 55 or 16 over, and I've even treated people into their 90s. You would not believe the incredible results I've gotten using actual stem cells and even some of them with just amniotic. I had this one gentleman, I'll never forget. He's 72 years old. Um, all he wanted to do was to be able to work in his garage again on his whatever he tinkers with in his garage. Um, all we did with him was, you know, it, he had just knee, knee degeneration. Um, I popped a couple cc's of amniotic into each knee because I really didn't think that he was going to be a candidate for PRP. He didn't have enough fat for a um, fat extraction. And bone marrow at that age was not going to be as, as robust as I would have liked it to be. And I really didn't want to go into bones at that age. Mm -hmm. um, so amniotic was going to be the, the choice that I narrowed it down to. And uh, he did amazing. That was all we did with him. He didn't want to do rehab. He just wanted to tinker in his garage. And we got him completely pain-free within six months back to doing what he loved. Um, so that's, that's one of my really cool stories about how this has been very helpful and very profound. But again, it's all about how your patient is being selected. And, right. and you do a good job of, and you know, we've talked about this in the past because we just had very, you know, we have different practices and um, you do a good job of picking the big gun when and where versus just so, with many clinics, that's all they offer. It's just like big gun, big gun, big gun, big gun. Yeah. Everybody gets the same treatment. And that's, that's where I think there's an ethical issue. Agreed. I, I do too. And actually that's going to be the, the focus of my talk at the conference coming up next month is kind of how to make a decision on a treatment for a patient when you have all these regenerative options. Uh, I really do kind of want to get my thought process out there so that other people can, can benefit from that. Yes, absolutely. And we're going to talk about that at the end too, because all the docs listening definitely want to come to this conference. It's going to be awesome. We're going to have a good time. Okay, so before we get uh, too far ahead and lose time, let's talk about exosomes. What are they and why do we love them? All right, so I first learned about exosomes um, April of 2018, I believe it was. Yeah, um, so that was a really, really neat thing. I was actually having a conversation with a doctor at a, another training that I was at completely separate from um, you know, my regular stem cell stuff He's asking what I did. And I told him, he goes, oh, well, being in the field, I, I assume you're just moving to exosomes, right? I was like, what do you mean moving yeah. to exosomes? I was like, <laughs> I have it. And it was still really fresh. So he forwards me this email um, from a company. I'm not sure if we're allowed to mention company names or anything like that. Um, or are we allowed to? Maybe I don't know. Probably should stay away just for okay. sake of. So he uh, forwarded me an email from this company with all of their their newest research, some case studies, some before and after pictures, basically talking about what the exosomes are. And I was like pretty freaking excited. Um, so basically exosomes are 
their cell secretion molecules are basically tiny packaged little vesicles. Every single cell will secrete exosomes. That doesn't mean that all exosomes are good. Some of them can literally just contain garbage. Um, but when we're talking about exosomes in the field of regenerative medicine, we are talking exosomes from mesenchymal stem cells that are containing messages about anti-inflammatory uh, and healing, healing things, like trying to attack those, um, those avenues. So when I learned about these exosomes, uh, one of the cool things about them was that they were a viable option for intravenous application. Um, and up until this point, my only options intravenously was going to be the stromal vascular fraction that we talked about from the fat tissue. So I immediately thought that these were really cool. Um, fast forward a month after that, I ended up meeting the, um, the, one of the science guys slash sales reps of that company. And he provided me with just like mountains and mountains of research on exosomes. And I do have to note that one of the differences between the exosome research compared to the, like say, amniotic or Wharton's jelly research is that I'm, it's pretty much comparable. Like what's actually written in the, in the literature is kind of what you're going to be getting just based on how it has to be processed. Yeah. So I was naturally kind of like really, really blown away. And it really did take me probably about a year before I really started using them a lot because I just, it just wasn't naturally flowing into my suggestions for consults. But over the last probably five or six months, I've really started using them a lot more and I'm very happy with the results. And I've especially been using them in patients that have not been candidates for um, their own stem cell extractions. I love them. I got an email from Dr. Harry Adelson, I don't know, probably around the same time that you're talking about. And he was like, Hey, what you've been waiting for is here because I quit doing fat harvesting again for various reasons. And I, that's when I first met you, I talked to you about that. Mm -hmm. um, and honestly, it just was gross. I, I was sick. It was, I was sick of repeatedly stabbing my patient. <laughs> it just was not, it, it did not flow into my version of what I wanted my practice to be. Um, I don't know how else to say it. I just, I like, things to stay simple. And it was creating a level of complication in my practice I wasn't enjoying. So I cut it because I don't do things I don't want to do. Um, and exosomes showed up and I was like, yes, this is what I've been waiting for because of cell signaling. Cell signaling is everything. It doesn't matter if it, I have studies showing in mice, you know, it's mice, mm -hmm. but if you are, if you're, if these mice were obese, their stem cells were basically not doing anything if not dead and removing the obesity or resolving the obesity issue did not actually get the stem cells to turn on. So we may not be dealing with a healthy person's stem cells, right? And people come in and they, and it, sometimes it is their last hope before they undergo some severe surgery and you want to help them. And it's like, I'm sorry, but your stem cells are crap. Like they're not probably going to do anything. Um, and I don't want to be responsible for charging you thousands of dollars for that outcome. So exosomes is this amazing idea that it's how I describe it to patients is it's the little information packets that the stem cells secrete. It's what does the business. And we now have it in a cry frozen product that we can mix with PRP and put into your joint, or we can add and then add PRP after. Um, it's just such an amazing product. And I've used it intravenously for brain inflammation. I've used it for just trying to get people's endocrine system back online. I've used it for, oh gosh, I've used it, I used it in a young woman who overdosed on benzodiazepines and was wow. dealing with a lot of brain issues after that. And she came right back. Um, I've used it for chronic pain and the patient just has widespread pain throughout their body because 
and you don't know where to start. It's like, okay, I've got six joints I need to inject. Yeah. You just need to put out the fire at that point. <laughs> right. right. Yes. Like let's quell the neurogenic inflammation and get everything calm. It crosses the blood brain barrier readily. It's just, it's, an, it's a great product in my eyes. And I've also used it intraarticularly and um, like you mentioned in your book, intramuscularly just to heal up torn muscles and torn ligaments and tendons and soft tissues. And I'm just a big fan because it's giving us what we want. And yes, patient selection is still key. Yes, their ability to sell signal. And when I say that, you guys, I mean, heal. I just ask the patient, if you get cut, how fast do you heal? If they tell me they don't heal worth a damn, probably not a stem cell candidate, in my opinion. Um, I'm going to look for something else that's going to help them because their cell signaling might be compromised. If they've been on a lot of fluoroquinolones and their mitochondria have been poisoned, not really sure their cell signal is going to be so hot. So that's just my clinical opinion. But I do like the exosomes in those cases because it gives us something that maybe their stem cells won't give us. It's that extra little oomph. And so lots of applications, really neat product. I think it's reasonably priced. And like you said, what you see is what you get. What you what you get in the vial is what what you read about in the study. So it seems like the most honest kind of straightforward product. If you're, if we're going for a vial product, a product off the shelf. Um, and I'm a big fan of that product in particular. So. Absolutely. I, I mean, one thing that I actually want to touch on, cause this is something that I teach in my courses um, that it always, it always just, you know, it's a big, an aha moment for some providers. Cause I don't know. It's, it's silliest little thing, but when it comes to using a product intramuscularly, I, you have to have the same logic as something like a B12 shot. If I shoot some B12 into your glute, is the B12 going to stay in your glute or is it going to go systemic? It's going to go systemic. Right. Same thing anytime you're applying any biologics. And I've got a couple of great examples. One of them being, I had this one patient that we were doing um, bilateral plantar fasciitis. And he got resolution, honestly, within weeks. And a couple months later, the trigger points in his shoulders started to resolve. Yep. So yep. anytime you're using anything like this, pretty much anywhere, it's going to go everywhere. Uh, yep. So expect things like like global results. And that's what's another thing that's really cool about this field is that signaling is going to happen throughout the body. And it's going to happen pretty quickly, too, because your circulation happens pretty quickly. And it's one of those aha moments that providers are like, oh, yeah, duh. Yep. Yep. No, there's a, uh, and I'll say this and then we're going to give you the platform to share all the cool things that you're offering because I want everyone to hear about it. There was a study that I came across. Mike Mutzel actually sent it to me. It was, um, I think it was 12 or 17. It was a small study. It was in Italy, I believe. They took Crohn's patients and they did a um, colonoscopy and looked at their, you know, did photographs of their colon. And it was, most of them were very inflamed and ulcerated and um, not in good shape. And they administered PRP, two and a half cc's, I believe, subcutaneously in their belly fat for a period of time. Not, not a crazy amount of time. I think it was like 12 injections once a week or something. And don't quote me because I, I haven't looked at this study forever, but it was something very simple like that. Their Crohn's resolved. You're kidding. No. So every time we're treating someone with PRP, whether it's intraarticularly, intramuscularly, it doesn't matter. They're having an immunologic body-wide response. So... I think we should charge more. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) No, honestly, though, it's so true. Regenerative medicine is not a localized therapy. And I think that that's something that needs to to now be a a teaching facet as this field moves forward, because it's not, it's certainly not something I didn't learn myself until I had hundreds of patients under my belt and saw the results over three to six months or nine months or a year. 
Yep. That's amazing. So, okay. We've got about five minutes. I want you to talk about where patients and people can find you, your conference and your ebook, and also that you offer consults and uh, services to other physicians. I do. Okay. So uh, Revive Wellness, uh, the number here, if you guys decide you'll want to come see me as a patient, it's 602-595-7836. You can also find us online at www.reviveaz.com. Um, for that ebook, I think, our, do you have a place where you can um, yep. put that link? We'll load it into the podcast page. So you Perfect. don't have to give them the URL. Okay, perfect. So that'll be available for download. Like I said, I created it for providers, but anybody who's interested can take a read on it. Um, and then in addition for doctors, I do offer trainings on this and I've, I've had dozens or more providers go through my trainings um, on the amniotic and other stuff too. Um, at the end of that book, you'll see different options for training there and you can feel free to email me about setting something like that up. And then finally, the conference that you are speaking at this is happening in Arizona at the Biltmore Resort on August 29th through 31st, and it is all about regenerative medicine. So I, myself and my two partners, we um, formed Integrative Regen Group, and this was kind of born out of the, my desire to bring to people in the, in the integrative sphere what I never had. <laughs> Because again, like, like I told you at the beginning, it was me, myself, and I for a really long time in this field as it was growing, and I've grown with it. And I want to really cut down the learning curve that I had. And I want to make this accessible to everyone, whether you're a naturopathic doctor, an MD, a DO, even chiropractors, I would encourage you guys, this is, this is not going to be something you want to miss. Um, we are in the process of getting CE approved for ND specifically. So we'll, we should hopefully have that um, by the end of this week or early next week. And uh, for everybody else, it's, I mean, it's a smoking deal. Um, and we do have 25% off. Um, running now until the end of the week. And then Dr. Moore actually has a discount code as well for you guys. Yeah. Yeah. We'll put that all on the podcast page. You can find the podcast page and all these links at painfreestrongradio.com. And uh, the link to Dr. Soltz clinic will be there to her ebook, which you guys want to download and read because it's awesome. And then the conference link as well. So this has been such an honor. I'm so glad we got to do this. I hope we have not offended anyone. If you're a doctor out there using off-the-shelf biologic products and you're calling them stem cells, you're not the enemy. We just want you to be informed and we want you to stop saying, stop saying stem cells because they're not. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Such a treat to have you on. I hope you'll come back. We can talk about all kinds of fun generative medicine things. All right. Absolutely. I feel like there'll be tons to talk about after the conference. Let's definitely do this again. Thank you so much. Totally. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Pain-Free and Strong Radio. I'm Dr. Tina Moore. My guest today again was Dr. Sabrina Soltz. Please go ahead and grab my book as well. If you want to know more about how to optimize your cell signaling, I've got it all in there. It's at drtina.com. It's free for you and I hope it's helpful. I'll be back next week. Thank you. Dr. Tina here. I wanted to share with you a product that I've been using for about two months now that has been an absolute game changer for me. As many of you know, as part of my tribe, my gut is not always the most cooperative. Since implementing Megasporbiotic in my daily routine, it's been a completely different story. There was a breaking in period to be sure, but the results have been nothing short of amazing. I've had a significant decrease in bloating and discomfort in my guts. And if you didn't know, your gut health is intimately related to your pain levels. The developer of Megasporbiotic, my friend Karan Krishnan, and I sat down and created a free webinar all about it. Head over to my podcast page at www.drtina.com and you can find a link to the webinar 
where you see the big Megaspore Biotic picture. You can also purchase the product via that link so long as you use the code DRTINA, all one word, all uppercase letters, D-R-T-Y-N-A. It's a completely unique and different product, so be sure to check out the webinar now.